0: right let's see who in here knows eldrick woods let me see oh hold on i got two two in the front anybody else know eldrick woods pastor cliff who's eldrick woods tiger woods Woods. has anybody ever heard of tiger woods okay a couple people have heard of tiger woods well if you were living under a rock in the 90s he was pretty much on tv all weekend every weekend famous golfer occasionally they'd they'd show somebody else hitting a golf ball only when tiger went from one hole to the next as as tiger hit one shot and as he walked to another ball they'd actually put the camera on somebody else Um, but otherwise that camera was on tiger every shot all weekend long you couldn't miss him a couple things that i remember about tiger um, in those days was i remember his fist pumps after he'd make like a big putt or something anybody remember those those fist pumps that tiger gets so excited the other thing I remember is, see, if, see who really knows Tiger Woods well. Uh, when Tiger would hit his shot off the tee, when he hit the big long drive down the fairway, as soon as that ball would make contact with the club, there'd be a person in the crowd who would yell something. Anybody remember what that was? What's that, Mike? Go in the hole. Go in the hole. <laughs> That's what Tiger was thinking, but, no, the guy in the crowd would yell, you're the man, Tiger. Anybody remember that? As soon as he'd hit that ball, you'd hear in the crowd, you'd hear somebody yell, "You're the man, you're the man." All weekend long, we'd hear somebody yelling, "Tiger, you're the man, you're the man." 70, 70 shots a day. Well, not 70, only on his tee shots. But we'd hear that uh, day. He'd hear that. We'd hear that. Um, But imagine how much Tiger heard that. He heard that on TV. You know, he hit the golf ball, but he was on ESPN. He was on the cover of magazines. He just kept hearing over and over and over, "You're the man, Tiger. You're the man. You're the man." We live in a country full of people who want to be the man but sometimes being the man isn't always all it's cracked up to be tiger was look looked like he was on pace to shatter every golf record that jack nicholas and all the great golfers before him had ever had ever made and he did shatter many of those records at a young age but then there was a lull i think was about 10 years is that right pastor cliff about 10 years didn't he just win a tournament last year for the first time in like a decade i mean he used to win every weekend now it took him 10 years to win Maybe that you're the man mentality kind of caught up with with Tiger as the years went by. But there's a character in the Bible, the text we're going to look at today, I got a feeling he heard that phrase many times too. You're the man, you're the man, you're the man. I don't think he heard it when he was a young boy because it seems like his brothers had no respect for him. It seemed like his father didn't have much respect for him either. But then one day he picked up a rock and put it in a slingshot and killed a, a giant named Goliath that even... Every one of these guys knows about. And uh, when he did that, I think there was a lot of all of a sudden, you're the man. You're the man, David. You're the man. In fact, uh, we know about the crowds that roared. Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his tens of thousands. I think there was a lot of you the man that David heard. But I think... 3,000, you know, that was 3,000 years ago. But I think if David were here today and and I were to interview him in front of you guys, I said, David, was there, you know, of all those times that people gave you accolades and gave you praises and said, you're the man, is there one time that you would remember above all the others? I think there'd be one time that he would remember above all the others. And that's the story we're going to look at today in 2 Samuel chapter 12 when he was told by Nathan the prophet that, you know what, David, You, you are the man. So... Before we pray, I just wanna throw this at you. We live in a world of people, a world where people always wanna be the man. People try really hard at that. So I'm just here to let you know today that you don't need to try so hard. You don't need to try so hard to be the man. Quit working so hard to be the man and just realize that you already are the man. You already are the man. Now that I've got you scratching your heads a little bit, let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, uh, many today are about to hear a message because I believe you called people here, you ordained them. I think you, you helped me put together this message because I believe it's your word that you want spoken. I don't know who it is here today, Father, that needs to hear this message. Maybe all, maybe maybe a few, I don't know. Your ways are higher than my ways, but, but I ask that since we are going to get together and we are going to have this message, I just ask Holy Spirit that you do what only you can do. I ask that you open ears, that you touch hearts, that you distribute today from this word what it is that every heart in this room needs to hear so that they can go forth and and be someone who reminds everyone in the world of your son, Jesus Christ. Let us all walk and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, we're going to read 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. 1 through 9 right now. everybody's ready i'm going to go ahead the lord the lord sent nathan to david nathan the prophet when he came to him he said there are two men in a certain town one man was rich and the other one was poor the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle abundance but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb that he had bought he raised that lamb and it grew up with him it grew up with his children it shared his food, it drank from his cup, it even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. How many of you have pets that you just treat like a child? Dewey does. (laughs) But if you don't, you know somebody who does, right? So Nathan's telling David this story, but then he adds more to the story. He says, now David, a traveler came to visit the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own many sheep and many cattle to prepare a meal for this traveler who had come to visit. Instead, he took the little ewe lamb, the lamb that belonged to the poor man, the man who considered it like a daughter to him, and he prepared that lamb for the one who had come to visit him. Now we can all understand where David's coming from here in verse 5. David burned He burned with anger, just like we would if we heard that story. He burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, and we all know that the Lord lives, as surely as he lives, that man, quote, must die. He must repay the man. He must pay the man for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing to that poor man and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, Then Nathan said to David in verse 7, David, you are the man. You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, David. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little, I would have given you even more why david have you despised the word of the lord by doing what is evil in his sight the title of today's message is thou art the man thou art the man in the in this version that i just read you hear nathan say to david you are the man but i like the king james version where where nathan says thou art the man and so today we're going to we're going to distinguish between you are the man mentality and thou art the man mentality so in verse 9, we heard, Nathan, we heard Nathan say to David, why did you despise the word of the Lord? If we were to have read verse 14, it says later, it says, why have you held the word of the Lord in contempt? And for I think most of you here look like the crowd that's been here for the last several weeks as Davy has preached psalm after psalm and then Chris jumped in with a wonderful uh, version himself of his psalm, beautiful psalms, but what do we hear in those psalms? The Lord is my shepherd, David says. I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my sustainer. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is this. The Lord is that. So how could this make sense? How could David then be accused by God of despising his word? We know David loves his word. How could he be accused of that? How could he be accused of holding the word of God in contempt? If you look up the uh, definition of contempt, like I did this week, here's what it means in our English dictionary. It means the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration. Is beneath consideration. Is considered worthless or is considered deserving scorn. God says David, why did you consider me something beneath consideration? Why did you consider me worthless? Why did you consider that my word and me deserve scorn? That's what he's saying to David here. Well, looking at this crowd, I think most of you know what David did. But just to remind you, and in case there's someone or a few people that don't remember exactly what happened, I'm gonna give you a quick, quick recap of what David did. If you were to flip your Bibles back to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one, you would see that it says, at the time that the writer is writing about, you would see that at that time, typically kings are out with their armies at battle. Well, David wasn't out with his army at battle. He was home. Maybe David had a little bit of a you're the man mentality. I mean, he killed Goliath. He'd won victory after victory. I mean, he probably was starting to think you're the man. I don't need to go with the troops. I'll just send them out. So he stays home. Well, where David lived, had a great view of other people's homes. And one night, he says one afternoon in 2 Samuel 11, one afternoon, he walked out and he looks and there's a woman out bathing. And he sees her and he's just overcome with desire for her. So David inquires of her. Send someone, who is, who is this woman? And he's told, well, David, it's, it's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. It's Bathsheba. She's one of, he's one of your top 30 fighting men. David's probably familiar with Uriah the Hittite. He's one of his top 30 fighting men. That doesn't even st- slow David down for a second. It says, he says, send her up. She comes up. He has his way with her. She leaves. Not long after this, what happens? She sends a note. I'm pregnant. Uh-oh, David's got a problem. So his, his solution to the problem, as most of you probably know, is to bring Uriah home. So Uriah is called home from the war. He gets a report on how things are going, tells Uriah, thanks for the report, great job, go ahead and have the night with your wife and then we'll send you back. Well, Uriah is a pretty upright guy. He loves his troops and his brothers in arms and he's not going to go lay with his wife while his other friends are battling for their lives out in a battle. He sleeps on the steps. David finds out the next day, well, what? He did what? So he, David has him up again. They have a few, Tonight they have a few drinks and 2 Samuel chapter 11 says David gets him drunk. Then David sends him home again and he still won't do it. So David has to move on to another option. I see some of you shaking your heads knowing what that option is. So David decides to write him a prescription. You know how when we get a prescription for medication we go to the pharmacy to get a prescription to get ourselves healed? Well, he got a prescription for death. Uriah did. David wrote him a note, sealed it with the king's stamp, knowing how upright Uriah was. Uriah wouldn't open that. He says, take this to Joab. Return to to the men and take this prescription for death. Of course, he doesn't tell him that. Take this to Joab. Joab reads the note and it says, send Uriah to where the fighting is the most intense. And then pull everybody else back. That happens. Uriah dies. I know most of you know this. That happens. Uriah dies. And now David marries Bathsheba. And all of a sudden she's pregnant. People probably assume, oh, they they had a baby already from their marriage. Seems like all is going well until the prophet Nathan walks in and tells David, thou art the man. And that's what David did that has God so upset. David has committed adultery. David has committed murder. David's been quick to anger. He's been scheming. He's been quick to judge. Now the reality's hit him in the face. Thou art the man. He's not, you are the man anymore. Uh Uh-oh, thou art the man. God has spoken. When you live like you are the man, but really thou art the man, you're playing the fool and you're holding the word of God in contempt. Are any of us playing the fool? Any of us playing the fool? Have we done what David has done? I see some heads back there shaking, yes, we have. Yes, we have. But some might think, oh, really? Some who hear this message, whether you're here or whether it's on video and you hear this message, some might think, well, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't murdered anyone. Well, let's see what Jesus said. A quick reminder for those that that might be familiar with this. First John 315, Jesus quoted saying anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that a murderer has no eternal life in him. Sermon on the Mount says the same thing. If you, if you have hatred for your brother, if you sh- say, fool, raka, you're, ang- you're in danger of hellfire. The Bible makes it pretty clear that, that thinking hateful thoughts towards someone, Jesus says, is, is murder. And if Jesus is right, which I believe he is, then we are murderers like David. Anything else in common with David, just from this particular story? Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 27. You've heard it said, Jesus said, you've heard it said, that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who lusts after a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Hmm. I think probably a lot of people are guilty of that. Including myself. I've, I've lusted before. But, but here's the thing, and I, and I wanted to think of some way to, to penetrate, because sometimes this doesn't penetrate because I think we think, well, I haven't really actually physically killed somebody. I've never actually physically committed adultery against my, my spouse. Many of us think that, but I think, where are we going someday? Where are we hoping to go? Heaven. Do you think people have lustful thoughts in heaven? Your will be done on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. I don't think people have lustful thoughts they don't it's sinful it doesn't happen there it's sin when we lust after someone else when we think hateful thoughts towards someone else it is sin and we are guilty as chris saying today the righteous judge says we can be condemned for that so yes we are guilty yes we have done what david has done how many of us have done that this week just something to think about how many of us have lusted or how many of us have felt hateful towards somebody else just this week? So don't be deceived. I think if we search our hearts, I don't think we need Nathan the prophet to come. I think we all know that thou art the man, each one of us. Thou art the man. How many of us, though, have been allowing hate and anger to get in our hearts towards someone else right now for the silliest of things? I mean, David had a good case here. I mean, but What this rich man had done was horrible. But how many of us today are letting political beliefs get us enraged with someone else to the point where we, we have hateful thoughts towards them. We think they're a fool over what they believe. How many of us think like that? How many think about there's other, there's so many hot topics. All you have to do is get on Facebook for a little while and you're like, oh my goodness, it's cloud, it's, it's flooded. It's flooded with, with hateful comments. For people, well, do you, do you agree with the protest? Do you agree with wearing a mask or do you not agree with wearing a mask? Do you agree with this? You, these hot topics in today's society, I see Christians, even people that profess to be Christians, spewing hate, hateful comments towards other people over these topics because they don't agree. Why? Pastor Cliff texted me yesterday and said, brother, I can't wait to see what's on your heart tomorrow when you preach. That's what's on my heart is the, the hatred and the anger that I see a quick judgment, just like David, quick to judge, quick to to be angry. When we do that, well, I wanted to share one example. I saw a a person that I know who doesn't live here in Omaha, but a person that I know that's a professing Christian this week, he posted a picture of himself with a Trump 2020 hat on. He says, if you disagree, please unfriend me, we're no longer friends. I thought, wow. And a couple days later, he followed that up with a picture of his car with two flags flying that said Trump 2020. He said, I'm driving around town, and then I won't say what else he said, but basically he said, I'm trying to agitate those who from the other side. Wow. Politics has been crazy for years. People have murdered, people have lied, people have schemed for politics. Has it really ever changed? But yet we are hating one another over politics, over masks, over protests, all these crazy things today. We're getting so off track. Because I think we're starting to think, we know, we know, we are the man, we know, I know, I'm right. Mm, but we got to remember, thou art the man. Each one of us needs to remember, thou art the man. Otherwise, we take the bait every time something is dangled in front of us that makes us agitated or makes us angry. Like David did, he took the bait only to find out that he was the one in the story. I think we're living in a society today that rushes to anger too quickly, that uh, rushes to judgment, rushes to anger, and, and it leaves us looking like fools, and it leaves us not looking like a light on a hill, but more of the darkness that's around the world. We need to be so careful. Colossians 4 says, make the most of every opportunity with those who don't believe. Sometimes I don't think we make the most. I know I don't always make the most, but I want to, and I believe every person that's here wants to. And I think one way to help you do that is to remember, thou art the man. Thou art the man. Did Jesus say, I'm done with you, Peter? When Jesus said, I must go to the cross, and Peter says, never, 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 I'll never let that happen. When he disagreed with Jesus, did Jesus be done with him? No, he rebuked him, but he still loved him, and he stayed with him. He didn't say, we're done being friends. I I cancel you, like Chris talked about, the cancel culture. I'm done with you because we disagree. Until you are convicted in your heart that God spoke the words, thou art the man to you, you can't fully appreciate Jesus Christ. You can't love him the way he deserves to be loved until you realize the cure for your sin that he is. Until you realize thou art the man, you, like David, will so easily be able to spot a speck of dust in your neighbor's eye a whole time not seeing the tremendous plank in your own eye. Jesus, Jesus warned about that. Until you realize, thou art the man, like David, you're ready to cast stones at the first thing that, that upsets you, the first thing that seems like an injustice. But Jesus said, whichever one of you has never sinned, go ahead, you can throw the first stone. So why are we all throwing stones when we are all thou art the man? <sighs> I hope you know that, that God could send Nathan the prophet to you. He could tell you a story, and you'd be outraged by the story. And then Nathan could turn around and say, you've done the same thing. Thou art the man. I, hope I'm, I know I'm beating this, beating this in, but I think it's so important. I think, I think that this is a moment in life that I think when you understand that you are the man, or that thou art the man, I think this is one of those moments in life that, that can change everything for you. And we're going to look at that in the rest of this message. That, that can change the way you look at everything. But if you think you are the man versus thou art the man, it makes a tremendous difference in how you love others and treat others. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Next week, Pastor Davy will preach from Psalm 51. And until you understand thou art the man like David did, you won't understand why David wrote Psalm 51 From the perspective of thou art the man. That's why I'm preaching about this today. So when Davy breaks down, as I'm sure he will beautifully next week, Psalm 51, I hope you'll understand it. That's what I'm trying to get you ready for. Here's a clip from Psalm 51 that Mike already read, but I want to read it again because it speaks to to the condition of our hearts. You do not delight in sacrifice, O Lord, or I would bring it. You do not delight in, you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. That's where we need to live. Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Jesus told the same thing and recorded in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus told a story that was recorded by Luke. It said, to some who were confident in their own righteousness, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am the man, that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I have. I am the man. But the tax collector who knew thou art the man stood at a distance. He couldn't even look up to heaven But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So similar to David's first line in Psalm 51, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. The same thing. Jesus went on to say in verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other man, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I think I've drilled it in pretty good, right? Thou art the man. All right, so let's have our first test. Here's a little test. Anybody remember the name Derek Chauvin? I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's the guy who had his knee on George Floyd's neck a few weeks ago up in Minnesota. He's in jail now. Um, The the reason that all the protests happened and uh, probably other people died in those protests, it's really easy right now to look down on Derek Chauvin and hate Derek Chauvin. He's a perfect example for us, really easy To want to hate that man but here's the test here's my test for you today if you saw derek chauvin as a brother or sister in christ i mean you being the brother or sister in christ if you saw him today would it be on your heart to spit at him to roll your eyes at him to scorn him or would you have it in your heart to want to tell him that that jesus christ went on the cross to offer him forgiveness for what he did that's something that all all of us can think about ourselves would you how would you look at derek chauvin he who understands thou art the man allows himself to look down on does not allow himself to look down on another man and consider him worthless or to cancel him or to say he's no good or to say he doesn't deserve a second chance. But a man who lives with a thou art the man thou art the man mindset knows that he too is a murderer in the eyes of God. The man who understands thou art the man is humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The man who understands thou art the man is merciful. Because he knows he is just as guilty. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive, they will be shown mercy, Jesus said. So I'm not saying, let's, let's not say what Derek Chauvin did wasn't evil. It was terrible, horrible, evil thing that he did. I'm just saying as Christian brothers and sisters, let's not allow ourselves to hate. Let's allow ourselves to pray for people that are in trouble. But just imagine for a second, here's part two of my test, just imagine for a second that Derek Chauvin was set free today by Minneapolis police. They just decided, you know what, we know what he did was terrible, there's no doubt about that, there's no denying that, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to, uh, we looked at his police record, and he did do some good things. He brought in some drug dealers, he did this, he did some good things, so we did, because he did those good things, we're going to set him free. You think our first round of protests were bad? Anybody having any idea what, what happened the second round, if that happened? Did you just shake, Deb? Yeah, me too. I think, it's, I think cities would burn. I think we would be, oh, I think it would be terrible if, if he was just set free all of a sudden because of the a few good things that he did. But let me ask you a question. Do you think that George, or uh, not George, do you think that Derek Chauvin meant to kill George Floyd? I don't know. I don't think we can say for sure. But let me ask you a question. Do you think David meant to have Uriah the Hittite killed? No question. He plotted it out. He planned. He wrote it down on paper. He I mean there's no doubt the Bible tells us this was a purposeful execution. What I didn't read to you was a verse though in 2 Samuel chapter twelve, verse 13. Callie read this this morning in the car and she said, oh, I like that verse. let me let me read what, what it says. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, after Nathan had told him how upset God was about this sin. David said to Nathan. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied to him. The Lord has put away your sin. You will not die. The world would burn if Derek Chauvin was released, just set free. We saw what he did. We all saw what he did. Was it intentional? We don't know. But we would be outraged if he was just set free. So how does God say, David, your sins have been put away? They're they're gone. Yes, you'll face some worldly consequences. Your life will be hard. There's going to be some natural consequences. But guess what, David? The man who, who stole his friend's wife... The man who tried to cover it up. The man who murdered him. The man who committed adultery. The man who showed contempt for God. Guess what? Paradise for this man forever. <laughs> Outrage. Sorry to yell so loud, but that doesn't that sound outrageous? Paradise for the murderer. Paradise for the adulterer. Huh. Stunning statement. It is outrageous. But let me tell you what's more outrageous. That God, the creator of this world, would send his son for us. That's more outrageous. There's no man's sin. No man's sin that the blood of Jesus doesn't outweigh. David no more than sinned, and God had attributed faith to David. He knew David's faith. And it says, by faith... By faith you are saved. John Piper says that Romans 3:25 and 26 may be the most important verses in the Bible. John Piper said that once. But let's, let's read Romans 3, 25 and 26. God presented, here I present, Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by God faith he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished because he could see what was coming and he did it to demonstrate the righteousness his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in jesus It's outrageous, David's sin. It's outrageous that it's wiped away. But it's even more outrageous that he did what he did so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we murderers could live in paradise. Remember the, remember the leper who broke every rule? Did he, when he came to Jesus that day, he didn't shout unclean, unclean like he was supposed to. He didn't, he didn't stay back from people. He charged to Jesus. He risked his own life to get there because he, he had faith that if I could just get to Jesus, this leprosy would be gone. And that's how we need to view our sin. If we can just get to Jesus, he'll declare us righteous as he is righteous. Come to him no matter what it costs you. Remember the guys that that dug a hole in the rooftop out of faith that if they could just lower their friend on a mat in front of Jesus, he'd be healed? Faith, it says, by faith justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The only hope you have, the only hope David had, the only hope I've had is that God could find a way to save us. Because there's nothing we could do, as somebody said earlier. I don't know if it was Dewey or Chris. Somebody There's nothing you could do. Nothing. You're in the bottom of the pit, and unless God finds a way to hand a rope to you, you're not getting out of that pit. That tells us the value of the blood of Jesus Christ how valuable that blood was that that blood was more valuable if you put any man's sin on a scale and weigh it against the blood of Christ Christ's blood weighs more that's how valuable that blood was God's own son from heaven the creator of the world the creator of every one of you said I'll give my son I'll give my son Psalm 51 says that Jesus' blood can make us whiter than snow. You know when it first snows, how white and perfect that snow is? And then a car goes down the road like us and splatters mud and stuff all over that perfect white snow. Well, it says that that white snow can be come back because of Jesus' blood. And it says whiter than snow in Psalm 51. Whiter than that perfect first snow that you see. For the murderers and the adulterers. Put away. Nathan said to David, thou art the man. But Nathan also said to David, the Lord has taken away your sin. Man, and they say it's not good. Some people don't think it's good news. Is there any news like it in the world? Any news like it? Thou art the man, but by faith I have put away your sin. The Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. A man who truly understands thou art the man is a patient man is a kind man, a man who doesn't envy or boast, a man who isn't proud, a man who doesn't dishonor others, a man who is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. This man always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. And when he fails, he repents. David, Psalm 51. In the book of Kings, it says that David pleased the Lord in everything he did in his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. When we fail, we repent. And that's what Pastor Davey's going to read to us next week, is our response. If your sin doesn't bother you, if your sin doesn't bother you, there might be a problem. David's sin bothered him. We need to live with this mentality. Psalm 51. Here's the first, here's the first few lines of Psalm 51. The Pastor David will preach next, next week. Listen to David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. This is where he's at now. David, thou art the man. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from all my sin. Does David say in there, Lord, remember when I, remember how good I was back when I didn't kill Saul when I had the chance a couple times? Lord, remember when I did this? No, he says, God, I'm like a baby that's filthy dirty. And the only way I'm getting a bath is if my parents put me in the tub because I can't get clean myself. Because of your attributes, because of your attributes, because of who you are, I can be cleaned. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. That's why I call out to you for mercy because that's who you are. Full of love, slow to anger. That's our God. So as we close today, I just wanted to give you one more thought. Imagine if today, July 5th, 2020, someone came up with a cure for the coronavirus. Today. It works like a charm. Quick shot and it's over. You're done. That'd change our way of life, wouldn't it? We can go back to pretty much normal. All we gotta do is go get a shot if we're... we have the coronavirus and it'll be healed just like penicillin on an infection it's that good we'll just make up a name let's say Antoine Bovier. he created this medicine today it'd be all over the news Antoine and his little uh, chemistry lab created this they've tested it it works perfect it's gonna cure everybody it changes our way of life because we're all affected by the coronavirus whether we've had it or not it's altered our way of life so we can all understand July 5th 2020 Antoine creates this I think he's Time magazines time man of the year I think he's all over the news i think he's world famous i think some of us are praying to god thanking god for this man who who brought the cure to us but now let's change the scenario just a little bit he he he, he develops this vaccine this medicine july, today july 5th 2020 but the coronavirus doesn't hit until july of 2022. so it hits in wuhan china they got about 10 15 cases they start to figure out oop, this is that coronavirus Ah, Antoine Bovier in 2020 developed a cure for this. They go get it, they give everybody the cure, Whew, coronavirus is over. 15 people had it in China and it's over. It never reaches us. Is Antoine Bovier still man of the year? Is he plastered all over TV screens? Are we thanking Antoine Bovier for his cure for, for the... No, because we didn't know what would happen if he didn't invent that. We don't appreciate it. If you don't know how sick you are, if you don't know how much trouble you're in, you can't appreciate the one who created, well, didn't create, the one who provided the cure. You can't appreciate God unless you know how much you need him. You can't appreciate Jesus Christ's blood unless you know how much you needed it. So let's not try to live life thinking you are the man. Because we see in so many examples of what that leads to. But let's live life knowing that thou art the man, but that by faith God has put away our sins. Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, love one another as I have loved you.